morning. I don't know who comes up with those things, but that's pretty funny. Um, you know, one of the values that we have as a church, uh, we, we say it like this, that we are biblically based. And here's what I mean by that, that it doesn't mean that we reference the Bible. It means the foundation, the base of our lives is the Word of God. Now, the Holy Spirit has saved us, and he's changed us, and he's uh, moving in us, and he's given us his word because in his word, he reveals him, his will, his heart, and himself. And, and you know, we, I often say it like this, that God's word shapes the way we think and the way we live. And, and this idea of submission is, is a big part of First Peter because we are submitting to God and we are submitting to one another. And and you know, it's interesting as we've, what we've witnessed in our nation over the last several days. We've witnessed history in our nation. And you know, a lot of times when you, when you go through an historic moment, you don't really understand all the ramifications, all the impact until you get through it for a while. And I don't think we'll fully understand the significance of what happened Friday in our country until a little later. But I want you to know something, the, the, that what happened Friday was right. And, and because God's word is authoritative, and that's how we approach the word of God, God's word has an authority. It's, it's authoritative in our lives, meaning that, that it's, it's some, it, we submit to what God has said and what God is saying to us. I want you to turn over to Psalms 139. Because I want you to see how the Bible communicates very clearly that life begins at conception. And Psalm 139, verse 13, is one of the places where it says this. I want you to see it in verse 13 in Psalm 139. It says, for you created my inmost being. Yeah, I still hear some pages, so I'm going to give you a second. Psalm 139, verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All days were ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And you know, the decision from our Supreme Court this week was not only right legally, and, and I'm not going to go into all the legal ramifications of why it was right, because, but, but, it, but it was right legally. It was also right morally. But, but you know what is most important, what's more important than, those, than the legal argument, the moral argument, it was right biblically. And, and as I... Think about our calling. You know, one of the things that I, I hope you catch, and I, I want to just state it, we, we at our church, without apology, are trying to, we are striving to look at the world through the lens of the Bible, through the lens of God's Word. We, we, we have a biblical worldview. And, and this is very important for us to understand the world through what God has said. And, 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 you know, every time I come to the Word of God to preach, I have an expectation that God's going to move 
Like, like today, I have an expectation God's going to move. Every time I get up to preach, I expect the Holy Spirit to move and interact with us, God to speak in this place. And, and very clearly, God uses the preaching of the Word, not only in your life, in my life. I mean, here we are sitting under the authority of Christ. Uh, I'm your pastor, and, but, but it's the Holy Spirit. It's Christ is the head of this church. And, and you know, today I've never been more confident in where God has us in his word. Um, we're in 1 Peter chapter 3. I'd like you to turn there. 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 13. And let's stand together and let's look at God's word today. Peter writes this. God gives us this message who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will that you should suffer for doing good rather than doing evil. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. See, he was put to death in his body, but made alive in the spirit. I'm, I'm working on memorizing, so. Um, Through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels and authorities in submission to him. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now when you look at 1 Peter, you see over and over again this message that, that salvation is a really um, big deal for us. It, make, it has huge implications in our lives. And, and we've got to understand the context. The context of 1 Peter is so very relevant because Peter is writing to believers that are scattered throughout Pontus, chapter 1 says, scattered throughout Pontus, uh, Pontus Galatia, Cappadocia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So they're believers that are scattered through Asia Minor. And they're churches that have formed. And, and, and they're facing an intense persecution. And, and, and this is important to understand as, the, as, we un, as we navigate the book of 1 Peter. And as we understand this, people that are facing difficult times. And, and you know, as I, as I think about this, I kept thinking about what, what something I heard when I was at the convention in Anaheim. There was a, there was a panel discussion. And uh, this this guy gets up and, and he says he says something to all these, these us pastors. He goes, pastors, I want you to realize something, that in the United States of America, 
we don't live in the promised land. Now, and I don't want you to misunderstand me today. I love the fact that God has allowed us to live in the United States of America. All you have to do is travel outside the borders of the United States and you'll realize what a blessing it is to live here. Um, I'm proud of our students going on a mission trip today. You ought to go on a mission trip. You ought to leave the borders of this country and they're, they're gonna be in, on the border of the country, but you ought to go outside the borders of the country sometime with your kids if you're a parent and help your children understand that the world is not just a wasso. I love this country, but I think this guy was right. We don't live in the promised land. He said, we live in Babylon. We live in Rome. And, and I want us to process that. What, what, what we've seen this weekend, it, we, we've seen something very clear. We live in a nation full of people and leaders that don't fear the Lord. Now, I'm grateful for those that do because I know some, some of our leaders that we have elected, some in our church that fear the Lord. But what you're seeing play out in front of us right now is, a, is this conflict that is waging in a country full of many who don't fear the Lord. You know what Peter's writing to? He's writing to believers that um, are serving the Lord, being a witness to um, a part of the world, a time in the history of the world where leaders didn't fear the Lord. That's why it's so very important to understand the context of Scripture. That's why this passage is so incredibly relevant to us. And that's why this idea of submission is so very valuable. That as a follower of Christ, we join with these believers in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, and recognize our need to submit to God. Look, you and I need to submit to the, what the Lord has said and how the Lord has moved, and, and, and we need to not go our own way. Um, but I'll tell you, we are called to be around many people that don't want to submit to the Lord, that refuse to submit to the Lord. And man, sometimes we don't want to submit to the Lord. But, but it is so important for us to submit to the Lord. Do you know what's important for us to submit to one another? This is what the church is like. We come together to say, let's, let's push one another to walk with the Lord, to trust the Lord. But, but recognize the, the context in this passage is so very critical for us. Because Peter is helping his church, the, the, God's church, the people at this time, to be a witness for the Lord in the midst of a hostile culture. And that's where we are today. I'll tell you what, this weekend in my, in my family, I was in an environment where I felt so very different than I was a minority in this environment that was not fearing the Lord. And I could not help but feel um, uncomfortable on Friday, but I was also burdened 
And I kept coming back to this passage. Look at verse 13. It starts out. Who's going to harm you? Who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? What an interesting statement. What an interesting uh, verse. Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But, but if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. You know the first thing I want us to see today? Is that following Jesus is fearless living. You know, when we follow Jesus, we, are, we get to be fearless. I think it's very interesting that he says, look, if you're eager to do good, don't be, don't be afraid. Even if you should suffer for doing good, don't fear what they fear. Do you know what I want us to do? I pray that we always understand that, that we push one another to this reality that living out the promises of God is always right. That if you put God's word into practice, if you do what God says, that's always right. That'll always be the right outcome for you. That's always the right plan. So if we're gonna live out the promises of God, we've gotta know the promises of God. We've gotta seek the Lord. We've got to understand what God has said and what he's doing. And this is why when we live in a country where God's word is being compromised or broken, we go, no, 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 no. That's, we live out the promises of God. It's always right. Do you know that? And I want you to hear this and, and feel this and understand this. Do you realize that faith in God will never disappoint you? That you'll never be disappointed for trusting Christ, even in the craziest and the most difficult of circumstances. And I can almost feel the audience that Peter is writing to as they're going, man, this is tough following Jesus in this environment. And let me tell you something. When I, when I look at the environment that we are moving towards, let me tell you something. It is going to get more and more difficult to follow Jesus, but it is always right. And following Jesus will never disappoint us, ever. Trusting Christ, faith in Christ will never disappoint you. Even if your life is required of you, faith in Christ will never disappoint you. And, and here's what I pray we do. We learn to recognize God's will. And when I look at how important it is for this day as we begin with the Lord's Supper, because what does the Lord's Supper do? do it, it, it brings us right back to the Lord. It, we, we are confessed up. We are, Lord, we, we see you. We recognize you. We come to you. And I'll tell you, when I look at the world that we are in, we have got to be a people that are in the middle of the will of God. And you can live your life, and we must be a church that is in the middle of the will of God. And how do we know that? Well, God's word. It says 2 Timothy 3, 16. It says this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for correcting, for teaching, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And look, God has called us to live in this nation. And, and though we are called to Babylon, if you will, we are called to Rome, if you will, we are called to, to live among a people where Many don't fear the Lord. We're called to live it out, what it looks like to trust Jesus. And let me tell you something, it always works. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? 
my favorite passages of Scripture at the very end when Jesus is wrapping up that incredible sermon. He says, if you hear these words of mine and you put them into practice, you're like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rains came, the winds blew, and a beat against that house. And remember what Jesus says? It will not fall. But, he says, if you hear these words of mine and do not put them into practice, you're like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came, the winds blew, it beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You know, as I, uh, as we walked our road this weekend with our family in this environment that we have been called to, and I have felt... I felt very uh, aware that the practices of our lives, the focus of our lives, are not the focus of this world. But you know what I've, as I, as I looked at that conflict, and as I dealt with that burden in my heart, I thought about verse 15. Look at verse 15. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. You know, that's who we are. We are a people that in our hearts, we said, Jesus, you're Lord of our lives. You are the king of all kings. You're our master. Like Joe just read that verse. We, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. We are a people that says, Lord, we're not going our own way. Lord, we're going your way. We're surrendered to you. We're walking with you. We're following you. In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Look what he says. Always, Peter writes this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. And I think it's very interesting that, that, that look, he describes this moment as believers are in a, in a world of people that don't fear the Lord. There's this promise, this foretelling, this this. Uh, this revelation, this is what's going to happen. They're going to ask you about the hope that you have. And I'll tell you, we've got to be a people that are ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. And though right now we see a, a cultural uh, tension that are going, hey, don't push your religion on us. Don't push your, push your faith on us. Let me tell you something. There is a spiritual attack going on in, in our day, our day, and it's the, the privatization of our faith. There's this push that, hey, you keep your faith private and to yourselves. You realize that's not an option for us. We're called to evangelize. We're called to share the gospel. We're called to communicate the gospel. In fact, this verse says, hey, look, you not only have to be, you're not only called to share, you've got to be ready to share because you know why? Because a lost world is going to ask you, how do you do this? You know why? Because sin doesn't work. You know what the Bible says about sin? John 10.10 10 is a great verse to memorize. It says, the thief comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. And the Bible is very clear on the progressiveness of sin. That sin is progressive. And I've used that term before that, that we are, it progressively leads to destruction. And, and, and these, these, this tendency in our, in our culture to say we're, we're going to go our own way. I want you to know it doesn't work. That God has laid out precepts that work. Jesus says, look, when the rains come and beats against your house, when you put God's word into practice, you don't fall. 
But if you don't, guess what? You're going to fall. And Jesus says, it's going to be a great crash. In John 10, 10, very Jesus clearly says, the thief comes. And there's a thief in the world. And he is, he is moving. And, and he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But don't miss the second part of John 10, 10. Jesus says, but, but I have come. And I have come to give you life and life to the full. And see, this is the joy of following Jesus. And, and, and 1 Peter 3, 15 is a really important indicator that, look, in your heart, in my heart, let's set apart Christ as Lord. And let's be ready, always be prepared, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But notice what he says, but do this with gentleness and respect. You know, I'm proud of our church today. I don't know how many of you saw our Facebook post that was, we, we did on Friday. We, we had a Facebook post about, about Roe versus Wade. And, and it, it was interesting to notice the chatter that came in. We had quite a bit of antagonistic chatter. I'm so proud of our church, though. You know what Chad was telling me? He followed it a little closer than me. Social media, I have to balance that a little bit in my life. But um, maybe we all should. Hey, let's learn from that. Uh, but, um, but you know what? I'm proud of our church. I don't think any of us got on there and threw any punches. Like, how, uh, honestly, how many, how many times have you changed your mind over a Facebook fight, right? Not very often. Maybe that's not the best place to engage. I had a post. I posted on Roe versus Wade, and I had a good friend, dear to me. And, and he, he threw an uppercut at me on Facebook. So I texted him. Hey, dude, how's it going? Let's talk about that. And I love him. But, but you know, let's, let's not lose sight of the fact that, that Look, when we are giving an answer for the hope that we have, let's, let's hold on to this truth. Do this with gentleness and respect. Now, gentleness doesn't mean we don't take a strong stand, that we don't take a clear stand. But, oh, man, when I look at this passage... It prepares us to be a witness. So can I just point us to a couple of things from this, this passage? You know, how do we, let's prepare to be a witness right now. How, do you, how can we be a witness? Number one is this, let's encounter God daily. Do you know that you and I can encounter the master of this place daily? He says, in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Jesus is Lord. You set him apart. You look to him. You turn to him. And look, we, to be a witness for Christ in this world, we've got to daily go to the Lord, daily look to the Lord, daily consult the Lord, daily um, engage his word. Let's go to the Lord daily. Jesus is Lord. It ought to be evident in your life, in my life, that Jesus is Lord of your life. And, and this is why some of my, sometimes I have a tendency not to be a good witness. And, it's, and when I'm not a good witness, it's the moments that Jesus, I, I, I take him off of first place in my life. Set apart Christ as Lord so that you're ready to give an answer. And, and you know, I think it's interesting as you, see the calling we have. And, and to be a witness, we, we daily 
encounter God, but also I think we need to build our name. Build your name. I want to ask you a question. What does your name mean? What does your name mean to people in your life? Do you know that we ought to be the most effective witnesses to those that know us the most? I know we get up and, and people like hearing about, oh, I was on an airplane and I talked to this guy and that's cool to do. I do that. But do you know who we ought to witness, who, who, we ought to, who we ought to be the most effective with when it comes to our witness for Christ are those that know us the best. You know what I feel is sometimes we overlook the people that are closest to us and because they know us the best. And uh, we got to pay attention to build, build a good reputation, build a name. Look at this. Look at verse 16. Keeping a clear conscience, he says. So that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. You see, it's not the people on Facebook that you don't know. It's, it's those that you do know. That you ought to be living among and living around and influencing so that when they speak bad about you, they go, oh, man, but he's really, man, they really helped me a lot. They're ashamed of their slander. It's better, it says, and this is so interesting, it's better if it's God's will for you to suffer for doing good rather than doing evil. Whoa, that's, a, that's a, like a head scratcher. Do you realize that there may be a time in your life that it's God's will for you and I to suffer? Yeah, that, that's, that's fun to preach often, right? But I'll tell you, if I don't preach that, I'm lying to you. There are times in your life, in my life, that it will be God's will for us to suffer for doing good. And I felt that to this weekend as a group of people that I was around that said, oh, let's stand up and celebrate this thing that I thought that doesn't honor God, and I didn't stand up. And I felt the... Hmm. But, but you know what? Let's build their name. It's God's will to suffer. If, if it's God's will, it's better. To suffer for doing good than for doing evil, right? We get that. Proverbs 22.1, a cool verse. The, a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. And I, I want us to challenge us. I want to hear this, this passage moves us to let's build a good name to those that we know the most. I feel this. And let's keep in mind, who's Peter writing to? He's writing to a church. So if you're going to build a good reputation, not only do you meet with God daily, not only do you really work to build a good name, but do you know what else we've got to do? We've got to live accountable. He's writing to believers that are scattered. And, and though they were scattered to Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, and Pontus, there were groups of people there. And he was like, look, pointing to the fact you guys know each other. He, he was writing to the churches there. And, and look, we are called to be the church right here in, in this part of the, of the world, in this time in the history of the world. And, and, and we've got to live accountable to one another and together. This is what you see all through this, in this passage. And then and I can't get away from, from the burden. And the fourth thing, that if we're going to really be a witness, we've got to cultivate a burden. I like that term. I really debated if I should use the word cultivate. You know, because we have to think about that word a little bit. 
We should cultivate a burden in our hearts. And I want to ask you, look, when it comes to the people that think differently than us, we, we can't just be mad at them. We've got to have a burden for them. And I thought about that this weekend as I'm standing there feeling kind of offended and kind of different. And rather than putting on my dukes, going, I'm not against all you people. I kept thinking, Lord, how do you see them? And then I looked at this passage. Verse 18, notice verse 18. He says, for Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous. Now, now this is so interesting to me because, because Peter is saying uh, to, to these people living in a, uh, under authorities that were not God-fearing, and what does he do? He doesn't point a finger and go, look how bad those people are. He didn't do that. He, he goes, hey, remember that Christ died for you, the righteous for the unrighteous. You were once unrighteous. Do you know that you and I were once unrighteous? And God showed us grace. God showed us mercy. And I think it's so very important that we don't miss that because Peter goes to them and says, look, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Look at this, to bring you to God. God brought us to himself. He saved us, and, and he was put to death in his body, but made alive by the Spirit, he says. And then it's so very interesting. He says, verse 19, through whom he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago and waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. And this passage has been hotly debated in commentaries and I'm not going to break it all down as far as all the different, well, what do you mean by the spirits and what does he mean by this? Let's, you can go study that on your own. You can nerd out on all those commentaries, and it's kind of interesting to look at. But let's not miss the big point here. I think it's so very interesting that Peter points to Noah. And in this passage, you see some, some doors being opened of God revealing some important things. One is there's a spiritual reality of life. He preached to the spirits. Look, did you realize there's a spiritual world that we are in? Do you realize that, that physical training is of some value, he says, Paul said to Timothy. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for this life and the life to come. And, and you know what? I'm amazed at how many people live their life without any recognition or awareness of the spiritual realities of life. And right here, you see that Peter makes this interesting declaration that Jesus died for you. And let's remember how much we've been forgiven. And, and then Jesus went to the preach, preach to the spirits in prison long ago. And he points to Noah. And I think there's interesting things here. One, notice this, that, that God waited patiently in the days of Noah. Well, let's think about that for a second. That's so very fascinating. Aren't you grateful for God's patience in your life? Hasn't, isn't the patience of God and the kindness of God, what does the Bible say? That leads us to what? To repentance. And as I look at the battle lines that are forming in our culture, you know what I keep thinking about? It's how much God's been patient with me. How much God has forgiven me. 
And it really does move me to gentleness and respect. And, and let's think about Noah. Noah was interesting to me because he was, he was called to a pretty hostile culture, wasn't he? Remember that story? Remember Noah? Culture was kind of not going his direction. And God gave him a word. God said, Noah, I want you to build a boat. They're like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. You know, there are times that God tells us things that we may not make a lot of sense. But he tells us to do it. We're to follow him. Noah boldly followed the Lord and trusted the Lord and was in the hall of fame of faith. He, 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 you see in the heart of Noah this, this reaching out to those that were, he was called to, the, the hostile culture. He still had a burden for, for his people, and, and he had faith, and he acted on what God said. And, and I think it's just very interesting. You see this beautiful picture of salvation, and you see a burden, and that's why I want to land on the, the point that I see right in front of us, not the, the, the different, okay, was the, what were the spirits like? Did he, were they already dead? Where was he preaching? There's lots of things to think about there, but, but I think the point that we need to see is the burden of Noah. As I look at the world we are in, may we be a people with a burden for the world that we're in. And I pray that we are moved, even in the midst of hostility, to a gentleness and respect and a witness to a world that needs Christ. And as we, as we, as we honor the Lord, as we live our lives by faith, and, and as we put God's word into practice, and as the storms come and the winds blow and we don't fall, guess what? There's going to be a world that doesn't follow Jesus, and they're going to fall with a great crash. And they're going to go, give me an answer for that. How do you not fall? Oh, let me tell you about Jesus. You see, it's interesting. Look at the end of verse 20. And in only a few, eight and all, were saved. They were saved through water. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh. Okay, so we just had a baptism. We, last week, we had, I think, 14 baptized Wednesday night in the life of our kids. Isn't that awesome? Hey, let's clap on that. 14 teenagers. We had two that were baptized at Falls Creek. 16 people got baptized last week in the life of our church. Now, what, what happened when they were baptized? It wasn't the removal of dirt from the flesh. No, they were saying, look, Jesus saved me. And notice what he says. This baptism is a picture of salvation, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God, he says. Now, what happens when you're saved? What happens when... When you're, when you're baptized, that's a step in obedience. If you haven't been baptized, you should. Um, be baptized. That'll help you in your walk with the Lord. It'll help you grow in your walk with the Lord. Because when you stand and say, Lord, Jesus, you saved me. You remember that. And, it's a, and it gives you confidence in, in your life. And, and, and it's a pledge of a good conscience, it says, towards God. See, baptism is a step of faith that helps you remember Jesus will never leave you. He washed your sins away. See, salvation doesn't come through water. And it goes on. It very clearly says, it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
See, when you're baptized, that's just a picture. It's a symbol. It's, you, were, you were buried and, and you were raised to walk a new life. Why are we raised to walk a new life? New life Because Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus conquered the grave. And then I think it's really interesting. Verse 22 is fascinating because it points to where Jesus is right now, who has gone into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers, notice this, in submission to him. I was in a, an environment Friday night. And I, I, out of, I'm not going to go into don't have time. But I really felt darkness. I felt darkness. And when I look at the debates going on, I feel darkness. Do you know what I... Then I hear the end of verse, end of chapter 3 of 1 Peter, that these authorities and these powers are in submission to him. Because do you know who we serve? We serve the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the one, the only one who has the power to speak with his mouth and put the stars in the skies. We serve the only one who could be born of a virgin and, and enter this world in a miraculous way and live the life that he lived. The people said, you got to be from God. Nobody can do what you do unless you're from God. And we serve the only one who was worthy enough to die on the cross for your sin and my sin. And he didn't just stay dead. He rose from the grave and nobody else did that. You ought to clap for that. I mean, I don't know how to be. Yeah, come on. Thank you for that. Let's wake up a little bit. That's good. I'll, I'll preach longer. Air conditioner's working. It's okay. But look, we are called to these days. God has entrusted us to serve the Lord during these days. And I'll tell you what, let's be a church that wants the ball. Let's be a church that says, Lord, we're ready. Let's go. I want you to, our mission life challenge today is this. I want you to write this date down. Here's the challenge. Joe, come on up. I want to challenge you with something practical today. I want you to write down August 21st, 2022. August 21st, 2022. I've invited a friend of mine named Wilson Geisler to come and preach on August 21st, 2022. Wilson is a, a very interesting man. He's a bit nerdy, to be honest. He's brilliant. He grew up in the home of an angry atheist. And Wilson was an atheist and brilliant, smart. Um, his father is a neuroscience professor at a major university in the Big 12. And Wilson was a super successful engineer, computer engineer. He's brilliant. And there was a young guy that came to work for him. He was one of his engineers, and Wilson was in charge of it all. He was the boss. 
And this young engineer was a Christian. And Wilson was at lunch with him one day. He goes, you don't believe that bloop, do you, about Jesus? And this young man looked at his boss and said, I, I do. I really do believe it. And they worked together for about a year, and Wilson started just seeing his life. And as he just kind of watched, he was the boss, he was in charge, but nobody knew that he was in turmoil in his life, in his heart. And he was not sleeping, he was afraid of dying. And he looked at this young man and he watched his life. He's like, man, you got something I need. And unbeknownst to that guy, Wilson goes to a church plant startup, meets a pastor, gets saved, has spent years as an IMB missionary, and is coming to preach on August 21st. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you right now to ask the Lord, Lord, who am I supposed to bring with me on August 21st to hear a testimony about Jesus? But here's the deal. It's not just bringing them. Here's the challenge. I want to challenge you to bring them and then after church, you go, let's go talk. I'm going to take you to lunch. Let's talk about that. And so, you know, you might say, oh, well, gosh, somebody on my heart doesn't live here. Oh, they live a long ways away. Oh, you know, it's super cool. Right now, we, we have about 300-something people every week that watch us online, and we're so glad you're watching. You might have somebody that doesn't live here. Hey, I'm going to be at church. Would you watch this day? And then, hey, I'm going to call you. I want to talk to you about it. Hey, let's, let's do something today. Let's get on our knees. And, and maybe you're here today, and you, someone came to your mind. You're like, I know, I know who it is. And some of you are like, oh, my goodness, I know who it is. Oh, no. Some of you are like, I don't know who I should ask. That's why we have an invitation, right? Say, Lord, hey, we're going to ask you. Let's seek him. I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. Father, in this moment, we need you. And I pray that there would be names on hearts and maybe someone needs to get on their knees at their seat and just pray. Maybe coming down to pray at the altar. Lord, there's a lot of things to pray for right now. Our nation, the tensions, our students as they leave in about 30 minutes to go to the border, use them. Father, we seek you today. You are our Lord, and we want, we not only want everybody to know that you're, you're our Lord, 
We just want to come to you also today to say thank you for being our Lord. Move us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Our altars are open and we invite you to come.